this next session is proudly brought to you by a woman who understands that when God says in Proverbs 27, 23, listen carefully, know well the condition of your flocks and give attention to your herds. This is a woman who understands that God is saying he expects the merciful treatment of the animals in his creation. Isn't that lovely? This woman detests animal abuse, and sadly, we see so much of it around us. She loves her family, she loves her husband, always a good thing, and she loves her friends. This woman is Karin Basson. She is a woman who loves an interesting book, sport, and good company. And so as I was looking at that, I thought, she must be in one of her real happy places today, because in almost 200 seats here today, there are women whose stories make up books. Each one of you can make a book with your stories. So I think she's in good company, because you're good company, right? Karine, together with her husband, Sean, leads the Kingdom Light Church here in the Strand. She has so many amazing things that I can say about her. She's a radio presenter, a journalist, a writer, a speaker, and a wife, and, they, and she celebrates 10 years in the media industry. She is the author and compiler of the motivational sports book called A Message of Hope. A Message of Hope is available in all bookstores. So go out, have a look. I think it's full of stories. It's full of stories. Good. Go out, get the book. An investment in Message of Hope is also investment in yourself. But above all of these credentials, there's lots more that I'm not even going to mention. Because the most important credential is that Karine loves Jesus. And her heart and her passion is to see women and people around the world come into that deep fellowship with the lover of our souls. So it is my honor and privilege to present to you Karine Basson. Wow, what a beautiful introduction. Good afternoon. I almost said good morning, ladies. Now, um, I think the health of a house is usually measured by their praise and worship team and how people can worship with them. And wow, it's just amazing. I really want to say thank you for sharing that with us. It's amazing. It's amazing. You guys can sing and you worship. I love it. It's really amazing. So, I think while standing there, I thought, God, what is the scripture that I want to give for the praise and worship team? And it came, it's, it's in 1 Peter, and it says, live carefully before God, because God is more, most careful with you. It's beautiful, eh? And while I'm seeing Jacqueline and the whole team standing up front, I'm just missing Pierre and Elena, of course, up there. But it's just live carefully before God, because he is most careful with you. So praise and worship team. You thought that this is the heights, even going higher, for sure, for sure. So, um, ladies, I want to say thank you so much. Helena, thank you for inviting me to this amazing Awakening Conference. It's a whole-day event, and I feel honored. So, to the church, thank you for trusting me with your woman, because it's an honor not just to stand here, but to really look at the faces and know that the hearts are with us and with me. And so, I have you in my hands, and it's a big honor, but a big responsibility as well. So 
I want to say thank you for entrusting your ladies with me. Really, really. So um, the other day, I was at an event now during the Women's Month, and a, a man looked at me and he said to me, Karin, so what is this with you women? With you women going to women's mornings, eating together, going to the bathroom together. And I was like, wait, 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 wait. Ladies, and I had to give him the finger. You know what the finger is? I was like, women are a wonder to be enjoyed, not a problem to be solved. See, so I was like, right, let's just sort that out. So this morning, just know you're a wonder to be enjoyed, not a problem to be solved. And if a man ever asks you a question, you just give him the finger. Okay, just sort him out. Thank you, Cherie, for the introduction. I was telling you, um, it's always difficult to listen to a woman if you don't really know who she is standing in front of you. So I'm going to open up my life this morning a bit. And she mentioned that if you listen to Tiger Berg in an afternoon drive time show between three and six, I'm the drive time presenter. And yes, I'm a writer. But I think first and foremost, I am a wife to my, my, my husband. And um, I'm a mother of three cats. At the age of 37, everybody asks, Karin, when are you going to have kids? And they get nervous for my sake. But you know what? At the end of the day, God has a purpose and a destiny for each one of us. And I think that's what Helena covered this morning. And I think I'm going to just elaborate on that further as we go. So um, for the past, she said, 10 years, it's almost 12 years now that I'm in the media industry. And I had the privilege the past 12 years to speak to a lot of very interesting people on a daily basis. So I've been speaking to a lot of very well-known singers, songwriters, like Wholehearted. Huh? Somebody like We Are Messengers. I had the privilege of speaking to Louis Giglio the other day. Um, I get often the, the opportunity to speak to some um, politicians like Helen Ziller or Patricia DeLille. How's that for name dropping, huh? I hope you're super impressed by now. <laughs> but you know what? At the end of the day, I just realized in 12 years' time, if God gives you a purpose and a destiny, and if you step into what God has planned for you, God's my word. God is going to just bless you out of your socks. I truly believe that if you step out, he's going to entrust you with something even bigger than you can ever, ever imagine. The fact that I'm standing with a microphone this morning, it's just grace. I truly believe that opinions and perceptions can always change. Speaking to, the, to those people for the past 12 years, I know now that categorization belongs in biology class. If you have to judge somebody, that's the most dangerous emotion that you can handle or feel. I truly believe that everybody has something to give. You just have to ask the right, the right questions. If you, if you don't give out of yourself and you always tell somebody else's stories, it will be empty words. So it's important that everybody tells their own story. God expects it of us. In those 12 years, I realized that when the Holy Spirit inside of me greets the Holy Spirit inside of you, then God is here. And then a lot of respect and love comes from it. I realized that God is love. And ladies, in the past 12 years, with each and every interview, I realized that there's nothing more powerful and pray. Can you say amen to that? Yes. So ladies, I just want to quickly say, looking at you, and she's right, these lights are bright. Um, I'm looking at you and I'm thinking, I'm so happy that I'm taking the second half of this, the, the morning. Because by now, we are all comfortable in the way our hair looks. 
See, we already fidgeted in our pants. Now we know, okay, the pants is way too tight. Okay, it's August and it's really way too tight. But we squished in it this morning, so forget about the cellulite that's shining through, okay? So by now, we are really forgetting about the PMS and the menopause. We're really forgetting about the list that we're supposed to do and the things we say to the husband to do and he's not doing anyway with the kids. So by now, we're going to just breathe. And I still want to say thank you for looking so amazing. Cherie said, thank you for buying the tickets. Thank you for joining us. But I really want to say thank you for dressing up for this. I have this friend that she says, usually when, when you look really nice, she says, yes, geklap met lap. So just touch somebody next to you and say, yes, geklap met lap. Now, um, I must tell you with... Um, with everyone here, I know Cherie asked, are you from Hermanas? Are you from Calidon? Are you from... I want to find out who's here's best friends this morning. Best friends, I like it. Who's here's mom and daughter? Mom and daughter. There we go. Who's here as sisters? Nice. Who's here completely alone? Is there somebody that just came? That's beautiful. Give them a hand. That's beautiful. I love it. I don't know if you know, but there's always certain type of woman and friend in your group. Now, ladies, according to your shoes this morning, I'm going to quickly just tell you what type of woman so that I can kind of sort of sass out what, who am I speaking to. So look at your friend's shoes. Who's all, everyone that's wearing very high heels this morning, usually in black, nude, and brown, just raise your hands. Ladies with the very high heels. Right. Ladies, you are known, ladies with the very high heels. You are known as the alpha friend or the head girl, proper with Macy. Uh-huh. You are the one that actually bought the ticket. You were the one literally organizing or forming part of the organization here. You were the one that said to your friend, we're going. You have to be at my house at this time. We're going. Right? Who is the woman wearing very bright shoes? Is there anybody that's wearing really bright shoes? Raise your hand. Right, the very bright shoes woman are known as the beta woman or the Coco Chanel. Now, usually that type of friend is the one that is the, the sidekick of the alpha friend. She doesn't have such a loud voice. She doesn't need such a loud voice. She just functions from her heart and literally right here from a. Well, I will say, people, if we go spiritual, we say from the Holy Spirit. If you go to the other side, you'll say from a gut. She just knows what to do. Okay, so that's her. Third friend is, who's the ones that are wearing pumps, very low shoes, no, no heels, pumps, or even, yeah, it's anything like sneakers or so, flats, anything flats. Right, there's a couple. You are known as the Omega friend or the mermaid. You see... No, the mermaid type of friend is the one that just kinds of, she likes the comfort. She likes the laid back things in life. She's the one that usually comes around to your house and brings a coffee or make your coffee in your own house. Huh? She's the one that will sit there, talk for hours, not a care in the world, and she will even take your cares for you. Another one, who's the one that's wearing the more thicker heels or even wedges like myself? So the thicker, thicker wheels, there we go, and wedges. So you are better known as the new friend or the octopus. Right. 
They're exactly like the octopus. You have a lot of arms, and so you like the gel. You keep the whole group together. You're usually the one that makes kind of sort of the choices, but you're the one that keeps everything together. Okay? Does it resonate with your soul? Mm. Last but not least, you've got the, five, uh, the, the fifth one. Who's the ladies that usually when you walk into your house, you just kind of just takes off your shoes. If you can sit here with your slip slops on, you'll be like, yes. Or maybe your socks. If you can just take off your, there's a couple of you, right? The fifth one is none other than the Zeta friend or the Charlie Chaplin. The Charlie Chaplin friend is usually, and every group has one. She is the one that makes everybody laugh. She's the one that sees the gold lining around a dark, dark, dark cloud. She's the one that always just brings a little bit of light in the room. And she's the one that brings the laughter. So does that resonate with you? Can you see yourself somewhere? Right, good. Well, we were speaking about labels earlier, Helena. So we're not putting labels here. Not at all, but, but, I'm just thinking. Right, lady, I want to ask you, how was your, how's, how's your eight months been so far? Because I don't know about you, my eight months has been super challenging. I'm still going, God, there's a promise of breakthrough in this year. And there's so much prophetic word in this year. But God, I'm waiting now. It's eight months. So the other day I got this, and Pia put the first slide. I got this WhatsApp, and then it read, sometimes I just want someone to hug me and say, I know it's hard. You're going to be okay. Here's a coffee and $5 million. <laughs> nah. Well, now, ladies, this morning it would be great if I go, $5 million, look under your chairs, you got $5 million, you got $5 million, you got $5 million, but I can't. <laughs> so this morning I just want to say, what I'm bringing to you in the next 40 minutes is I'm bringing you stories. We've got a house full of women. And if I had to give that lady the microphone this morning, remember, it's just Grace why I'm sitting here this morning. If I have to start out there and I have to ask her the right questions, she starts telling me the stories of the past eight months. We're going to stand mesmerized about the goodness of God. If I have to ask each and every one of you to share your story just at the past eight months, we're going to stand absolutely amazed of God's goodness and still His breakthroughs and His promises and how God has just came through for, in, in the past eight and then years, not just in your life, but for your family and for your children and things that God has promised in our lives how he just came to the front and said, don't worry. If I have to stop there, I mean, I'm looking at women that has experienced every emotion in their life so far. You know how it feels to be, to be really put down and hurt, but you also know how, to, how it feels to be happy and to be joyful. So this morning, we're going to take all of these emotions and we're going to share it. Because the reality is women are usually... We are made from a heart of love, and we are made for something exotic, because that, that, that's what our Father is all about. But the thing is, we kind of sort of, the life that we're living, and the life that we want to live is not really always matching up. So we tend to feel like one of the, the things in the house that nobody can live without, unfortunately. So this morning I want to start, or this afternoon I want to start off by saying, you are the grand finale. Like every good movie that you watch. You can't watch the whole movie and not watch the finale, right? You have to watch the ending. God made the woman as his very last creation for a reason. And he imparted everything in us. A man resembles him, 
But a woman, she's got the heart of God. And that's why he entrusted us to be the life givers. So this morning, I want to look at you and I want to start off by saying, you are the grand finale. You are good enough. And your story is worth sharing. And I hope when I'm finished, it's the one thing that you'll remember. You'll walk out there and you'll share your message and your story. So I want to quickly show you something. Peter, give me the first slide. If I show you this, what, is, what does it stand for? Right, the next one, like it. Next one, what's that? Coca-Cola, right. Third one, what's that? Um, try again, sports-ish. Veer you like a dunk, right? Yeah. Okay, so without knowing it, without putting any words to those logos, everybody knew exactly what they stand for, right? So each and every of those companies that we, that we showed the logos of, we have something either positive or negative to say about them. It's a perception that we created around them, although that we've never been in their offices, we've never met their staff, we're only going on what they are portraying, right? Isn't that true if I have to say to you this morning, I am, and I leave a, a, a gap with a question mark, and I ask you, you don't have to say it out loud, but I ask you, put a word after I am. The first word that comes to mind this morning is that logo or the perception of what people see when they hear your name. So if I say I am, scap, in your heart, in your mind, just bring up a word that you immediately want to fill into that gap. You don't have to share it now. You see, the thing is, Jesus sits with his disciples. And the most interesting thing is, the disciples say, Jesus, who are you? And then he says, what do people say who I am? And then they give a whole list. They say, you're this, you're that. And then Jesus looks at them and he goes, I am who I am. We even see it in Exodus when Moses went to Pharaoh. And he said, but who would I say? Who's sending me? And he said, you tell them that I am is sending you. So if I say to you, I am, what is that one word? You see, because that one word is almost like a logo that's running, or, or that's running across your chest, but as it's put around your neck. And sometimes that one logo is a thing that maybe you yourself gave it to you, and you're living according to that one word, or maybe somebody else gave it to you. It could be negative, it could be positive. It's maybe something that you don't even like, but you're carrying it with you, and you're living to, according to that one word. Can I share you, uh, with you who um, my word for a very long time was, wait for it, Barbie. Nice. <laughs> Thing is, for some people, if I say Barbie, they go, mm, it's not too shabby. For me, it was the worst word that I could live according to. And it happened at the age of 16, and I allowed it to cling to me. And I allowed it to, to form my identity. At the age of 16, I loved sport. And I was playing, I was doing javelin. 
And um, it was my coach. I was busy doing javelin, and the coach looked at me, and he said, out of the blue, he said, Kareem, so why do you do sport? And I was like, excuse me? And he said, but, but why do you do sport? I was like, but what do you mean? I like sport. He goes, no, a girl that looks like you. You must rather be the cheerleader, not the sporty person. And I was like, wow, we. That was like knock number one. But at the age of 16, looking back now, you go, shake it off, right? Because we're now wiser in God. But at the age of 16, you're so vulnerable, and everything that people say about you forms and molds you, right? It was literally a couple of months later. So I'm forming part of the, the first um, national, the, the hockey team. And I um, loved it. Short little dresses, very nice. Um, the padding always looked like you have calves, right? Amazing. Ran out, and the opposition was standing next to the, the felt. And as I ran out, I had a big number 11 on my back. And so the, the grade or the, the matrix boys stood next to the, the felt, and he was like, hey, number 11. And I turned around, and I had this big attitude. I was like, yes. And he went, your number looks just like your legs. Okay, so <laughs> that was knock number two, which mean, it meant that I literally, it hurt me so bad. Looking back now, I think, Karim, why would you react to something like that? But I'm telling you this because I know somewhere in your heart, something that happened to you is popping up. Something, maybe a word that was connected to you that you don't like, but still living according to, so maybe if it's you were singing too loud, or somebody said, why are you singing? Or whatever it could be, I know the Holy Spirit is bringing up words and emotions and thoughts of what happened to you, and maybe just the other day, or when you were younger. That two incidences made me stop with sport completely, and I fell comfortably into the logo that people just nicely pasted on me, saying Barbie. And for the past 16 years, Thing that I loved most, I just left. And it was only two years ago that God really spoke into my heart. And at the tender age of 35, I came home the one day after speaking to, I'm busy working on the sports book, and I said to my husband, you know what? I have the desire inside of me to do something amazing sport-wise. And if these people in these books can do it, and the people that I'm writing these stories about, then I can do it. And so two years ago, or the part, oh well, after 17 years, I started running again. And it's so good to share with you that in one year, in 12 months, I did my first marathon. I did five marathons. And then I did the comrades. And so I was like, God, it's so amazing to actually do the impossible, do the unthinkable, doing the extraordinary, knowing that you're just an ordinary human being. And so, just standing there in the morning with the comrades, I was way at the back. I literally was way at the back. It sounded like crickets behind me, right? It was about two people behind me. And at one stage, in my mind, the whole time I had this thing playing, and it was God saying to me, Karim, don't worry, I'm right here next to you. And while I was, was practicing for those comrades, I literally saw God, when it gets really tough, I would see God running with his white dress. And with all respect, I always say God wears blue Nikes. And I can see him picking up his white dress. And then when it's really tough, he runs next to me and I goes, come Karim, let's go. Come Karim, let's go. And so 
The funniest thing, God is so intact with our emotions and what we need at a certain time. Standing at Comrades, the first 20 kilometers with about 9 degrees, 10 degrees, the sponsor gave white little like robes for each and every runner. For the first 20 kilometers, I ran seeing just white little dresses up to the knees and tuckies. And for the first 20 kilometers, I would run and say to my husband, look, there's a Jesus, there's a Jesus, there's a Jesus, there's a Jesus. And I was like, God, isn't this amazing? The thing is, somewhere along the line, I had to make peace with who I am. And it took, whew, took a while, you see, because I, um, <laughs> I always had this idea to be uh, not face skin, but olive skin, dark hair. That was my look. And so I came out blonde and face skin. And I was born in Witbank, and I looked like this. Pia, just put this amazing picture on, please. Huh? How's that hair, ladies? Stunning, isn't it? I must tell you, in some way I had to make peace, because in amongst everything, God was like, Karina, I still want to use you. And I said, God, but I'm from Witbank. And he said, but I still want to use you. The thing is, and then I upgraded to Pretoria. Is there any Gatingers here? Hello. You see, when you get into and you live in Pretoria, and then people would say to you, so where do you live? And you go, I live in Montana. And they go, why don't you live in Moraleta? And then I upgraded even better. I even upgraded to, to um, Cape Town. So if you speak to the Gautengers, they go, so where do you live? And I go, Strand. And they go, oh, yes. And I go, I know it's by the sea. And then if you speak to the Cape Townians, they go, why don't you live in Somerset West? So it always felt that I'm just not making the mark, right? And I'm trying to battle to lose those logos that people are putting on you. My goodness. The thing is, at the end of the day, I had to get to a point where I said, God, what is my calling? What is my call? What is the word that's written over me according to your word? And I love this, this um, animation, Pierre. It's um, the animation of Rise of the Guardians. And it's Father Christmas that speaks to um, um, Jack Frost, right? And so Jack Frost says, I don't know, I'm not happy, I can't find my calling. And then Father Christmas takes out these babushka dolls, and he takes it out one by one, and he comes to the little tiny one, and he holds it in his hand. He says, you know what, only if you find your core, your calling, the center inside of you, then you'll be happy. And I think I look at you, and I go, the core, the center with the Holy Spirit inside of you. Man, can you imagine if you let God loose and say, God, I've been holding back logos on my life. I've been holding back on my dreams, my desires, but I'm going to just give it over to you. Can you imagine what's going to happen in your life? It's never too late, even if it takes 17 years. I want to quickly show you a, a short clip. And in this clip, I'll pick up um, yeah, after, after this video. Because I want to share you six points that help me get away from this logo in my life. Hi, Erin. Hi. Okay, so I'm going to just give you some actions to do. I just do the first thing that comes to mind. Show me what it looks like to run like a girl. My hair. Show me what it looks like to fight like a girl. <laughs> now throw like a girl. Oh, 
My name is Dakota, and I'm 10 years old. Show me what it looks like to run like a girl. Throw like a girl. Fight like a girl. What does it mean to you when I say run like a girl? It means run fast as you can. So do you think you just insulted your sister? No. I mean, yeah, insulted girls, but not my sister. Is like a girl a good thing? Actually, I don't know what it really, if it's a bad thing or a good thing. It sounds like a bad thing. It sounds like you're trying to humiliate someone. So when they're in that vulnerable time, between 10 and 12, how do you think it affects them when somebody uses like a girl as an insult? I think it definitely drops their self-confidence and um, really puts them down because during that time, they're already trying to figure themselves out. And when somebody says, you hit like a girl, it's like, well, what does that mean? Because they think they're a strong person. It's kind of like telling them that they're weak and they're not as good as them. And what advice do you have to young girls who are told they run like a girl, kick like a girl, hit like a girl, swing like a girl? Keep doing it, because it's working. If somebody else says that running like a girl or kicking like a girl or shooting like a girl is something that you shouldn't be doing, that's their problem. Because if you're still scoring and you're still getting to the ball on time and you're still being first, if you're doing it right, it doesn't matter what they say. I mean, yes, I kick like a girl and I swim like a girl and I walk like a girl and I wake up in the morning like a girl because I am a girl. And that's not something that I should be ashamed of. So I'm gonna do it anyway. That's what they should do. If I asked you to, to run like a girl now, would you do it differently? I would run like myself. Would you like a chance to redo it? Isn't that amazing? Now, we speak about labels and we speak about logos that people put on us or that you put on yourself. Um, and we allow people to put on us. I had six keys in my life and only actually the last two years from 35 to 37 that I, I had to trust God with. And um, I'm going to quickly share it with you. Maybe I, I hope it's going to help you. So the first one is... Let go and let God, because God is good and he's in control. It's beautiful now. So the last two years, I've been walking a path with God. And um, 1 Thessalonians speaks about praying without ceasing. And I say to you that for the first time in my life, I know now how much power is in prayer. It's so beautiful. Angus Buchan always says, there's power in prayer. When a person works, he works. But if a person prays, uh, prays then God works. Beautiful, hey? For the first time, because of prayer and really spending time a lot in prayer, I realized that there's a difference between being a warrior and a warrior, right? And if you're a warrior in prayer, you leave your worries with God. About um, last year, I went running and I said to God, God, my year last year, 2016, I came to a point where I said, God, and it was very sincere, I said, God, you know what? I just want to give you everything. Because us women, we like to walk by the beat of our own drum, right? We want to be unique. We want to just play the, the lead role in our own life story. 
I went running and I was like, God, I really want to, to play the lead role, so I'll, I'll put you first in everything. And the funniest thing is, we tend to put God first, yes, but it's always our plans that still is intact. So the beginning of this year, I lived 12 months and things didn't really work out the way I thought it would be. And so this year I said, God, you know what? I'm not going to just put you first. I'm going to let go of everything. I'm going to give you everything. It's not about putting God first. It's about giving him everything, ladies. And that makes a huge difference. Maybe I'm speaking to a mom that needs to let the children go. The worries about the children. About a family member or maybe your husband. Not to do things the way we want them to do, but maybe the way God wants it to do. The second, the second one that I want to share with you is to be content because God is good and he's so in control of our lives. If we just align. Now, I'm the youngest of three children. And who's the youngest here? Who grew up as the youngest? Well, you just grow up, right? Because all the, the brothers and sisters just kind of look after you. So you just grow up. Now, I grew up asking a lot of questions, and because of asking questions, um, at a very young age, I met God, and I met my God, not the teacher, nor my, nor my Sunday school teacher, nor uh, my mom's God. I met my God, because I asked questions about God, and um, I asked so many questions, that even my Sunday school teacher at one stage said, Karim, please just go out of the Sunday school. Really? Because you are just a disruption in the, in the Sunday school class. The thing is, that at one stage, I just realized that when you are content and stable in your life, if you give God everything and you are content in the season where you are at now, then love and service steps in because then it makes you free to love and serve other people. For interest's sake, it's very easy to serve someone if you like that person and to show love if you like that person. Study has shown that the most difficult people to love and serve, I guess, Take, take a good guess. Who do you think it would be? Of course, people that you don't like. No. But some of the most difficult places to serve is your husband. Studies have shown. So I was married for about three, three years. And at one stage, I was standing under the shower. And it was just snot and trane, see. Because I really wanted something from God. And the husband didn't want to come on board. And I was like, God, you have to change, Sean. And God clearly said to me, Karim, Sean is not the problem here. And I was like, but who is? Because it's just the two of us in this relationship. <laughs> and God clearly said to me, after three years, he was like, get content of where you are at, who you are. I'll promote you at the right time. And God was like, start serving and start loving. And I had to learn that. The third one that I want to share with you is uh, patience. Be patient. I don't know about you, but man, it takes a lot of courage to be patient. The thing is, in Exodus, God speaks to Moses and he says, Moses, what do you have in your hand? And he says, God, I only have this stick in my hand. And God says, right, then we'll use that stick. And how many miracles did Moses perform with that stick, right? God is asking you this morning, what do you have in your hand? If I can give you a new label, the label that I want on you, and if you start sharing your story, what else do you have in your hand that you can use for me? 
You see, the thing is, with, we always want to rush things because we look at everybody else. At one stage, I had to avoid Facebook. I had to really switch off Facebook for a whole year because my life was going not all too shabby. And all the highlights of everybody else always looked so glamorous. And I had to really say, God, I have to be stable. I have to be contained. I have to wait on your promotion. So, man, I have to take courage. And it's going to take a lot of courage to switch off all these noises in your head of everybody else and then focus on God. Now I have to cut. I have to see. I've got five minutes left. Um, So it took a lot of patience and courage. So courage, you know what? This morning I really want to say... If you're battling in your life with patience and courage, I want to maybe um, come to a point where you're just honest with yourself. Because you're really living honesty and patience and courage. I look at moms that has to sit next to their, their children's sick bed on a daily basis. Or I look at dads that work double jobs so that your kid can go on a sport tour. I look at moms that, that's juggling all these balls, and they know it's all glass balls. I can't let them drop. That takes patience and courage. But to fall back and sometimes just breathe and say, God, I'm waiting on you, that makes a difference. That's a different patience, and that's a different courage. I had the opportunity. They were speaking about the book. I actually read about this guy. His name is Bob Island, and just pause before you put on the, the picture. I was doing research on sport and on courage and patience. And so I met this guy oh, on the internet. His name is Bob Island. Now, Bob Island is the first man in history of the New York Marathon. He ran the New York Marathon, and he crossed the winning line as the 19,413th person. See, I don't sound like Zuma. 19,413th person and the final participant of the New York Marathon. Bob Island, it took him four days, two hours, 48 minutes and 17 seconds to run 42 kilometers. It took him four days because he didn't run it on his legs. He ran it on his arms. That man swinged and propelled himself for four days for 42 kilometers over the winning line. This morning I'm asking you, what are you willing to do to see your dreams still come true? What are you willing to to show in sacrifice and in courage and in patience and giving everything to God to see something like that extraordinary happen to your life? You see, I had the privilege of writing the book. And um, there's actually another book coming out now, more. It's a daily devotional from my heart. And then I took 52 people. There was normal people, ordinary people doing extraordinary things in my life. And it's um, the one, it has to come out now somewhere. I'm not sure about the date, but it's called When God Speaks to You. And in these books, I had the privilege of, of meeting a 400-meter gold medal hurdler, LJ van Sale. Do you know LJ van Sale? LJ van Sale, to whom that doesn't know, LJ van Sale's mom, at the age of three, he was diagnosed with polio. She sat in front of the doctor, and the doctor said to her, I'm sorry, Ms. Van Sale, Mrs. Van Sale, your son has polio. He will never be able to walk normally. So she looked the doctor in the eye, and she said to him, I do respect your, your position. I do respect your opinion, but I don't take the report over my child's life. As a woman, she decided not to take the label. 
She said, God, I'm speaking something different over my child's life because I know there's power in my words, right? She went home. She said to all the workers on the farm, she said, whenever you see Aljef on sale, you will jump with him over the, the but this course, the food, the food. There we go. And so they started doing that from the age of three. Today, he is the gold medal hurdler, 400 meters hurdler for South Africa. Because a mom said, I'm not taking the report over my son's life. There's another man called Frankie Horn, the most celebrated sevens player, not just in South Africa, but in the world. Frankie Horn was never supposed to play any contact sport. He only has one kidney. Lost his kidney as a young baby of, I think, eight months. And the doctor said, please don't let your son ever do contact sport. Frankie Horn is the most celebrated rugby sevens player in the world because his mom refused to take that report over his life. God said that there's power in our tongues. We have to pray without ceasing. And that is what moms can do over their children and over situations. In the latest book, you meet a guy called um, Porchy. You know, the painter in Stellenbosch? Porchy, for instance, in his paintings, he has... um, uh, he always draws um, or paints chickens. And I asked him about the chickens, and he said he went on a missionary trip as a student, and while being in Malawi, he looked at people, and he said, if you have nothing except two chickens, and you're willing to give a whole chicken away, that is true giving in your life. He says, if you have a 1,000 rand, you give 10 rand or 100 rand, that's giving, right? He says, but if you only have two chickens... That's your only two possessions, and you're willing to give a whole chicken away. Now, that's true giving. There's a woman called Shanae Bosman. She's the, she, she won the Comrades Marathon last year. Shanae Bosman, six weeks before the Comrades, she ran into a bathroom. Hasty, hasty, bumped her foot on the, the lintel of her, of her um, bathroom. Ran out. She felt, sure, she's got pain. Ran the 42-kilometer, ran another 42-kilometer, came home on a Monday morning. She was like, sure, I can't get my tacky on my foot. Went to the doctor. She broke her little toe six weeks before comrades. She said, you know what? I truly believe you. Thank you so much for the help. Started praying over her foot. She said to everybody, now you pray. We pray without ceasing. I can't chuck away all my preparation, and I'm doing this for one reason. That woman came back. She ran the comrades with a half-broken toe, and she won the comrades last year. I look at these people's stories and I think we stand amazed because they're willing to tell it. I had to drag it out of them, but they were willing to tell it. When are you going to start telling your story? The fourth one, and I'm almost finished, is to listen to God's voice and to learn how to walk on water. Because God is good and he's in control, right? About two years ago, the same time, I had to go to, and we know that we are our our affirmation doesn't come from, from people. Our affirmation comes from God. So about two years ago, I went to a couple of my confidants, close friends and family members whom I trusted. And I, I said to them, logo, right? I said to them, if you hear the name Karim Basson, what comes to mind? What do you think of? Now you must imagine, well, keep in mind, I've been in ministry for the past 13 years. So I said to them, if I say my name, Karim Basson, what comes up? Because the thing is, we live with ourselves. We, our intentions are good. We know we're good people. We're not bad people. Nobody is really bad. But the way we portray ourselves sometimes is just completely different than what other people sees of, see of us. 
And it's not about getting affirmation from them. It's just about, are you truly living what God is saying? Because if you live your calling, then people will actually see it, right? Because then the anointing of God is on it. And I got a fright of my life to hear what people say, said over my, when they hear my name. And I said, but that's not me. And I was completely confused. And I went to God. I said, God, you have to do something about this. And so slowly but surely, I started saying, God, I'm not just putting you first, but I'm giving you everything. And it's not completely right there yet, but it's better. It's actually resonating now with what's in my heart to what people are saying. And I know God is in control of this. So maybe you must taste it. Fifth one, and then we're almost finished. Forgive myself. I had to forgive myself and others because God is in control. God is good, and he's so in control. You know what? The Dead Sea is one of the most visited places, the top 10 tourist attractions. Reason being is because it's the Dead Sea. But the thing is with the Dead Sea, it will always be the Dead Sea because there's no fresh flow or there's no outflow of it. And as soon as fresh water comes in, the salt water contention is so high, it contaminates literally anything quickly. I realized that by not forgiving myself for a lot of things and not forgiving people around me, it's exactly like the Dead Sea. Become like this dam. And in the Dead Sea, nothing survives. It rots completely. It dies. And I just realized that the biggest mistake in our lives, ladies, is when God calls you to do something for him. And he starts moving on, wanting you to follow. And you're staying put in your comfort zone. But I'm okay with this label, God. I'm okay with what people say about me. Because I don't find my information in people. I find my information in God. But now God says, move. And we're not moving because we're so comfortable. So I had to double check that as well in my life. It's been a fun two years, haven't it? Woohoo! <laughs> Last one, and then I'm finished. Is I focused on choosing my words and become more quiet more often because God is good and He's in control of your life. I don't know if you know, but we've been saying this the whole time. The power of your, your words, right, has so much strength in it. Um, communication. I wonder if you know how many levels of communication do women use to communicate to each other? Are you ready? <laughs> Five to seven levels of communication. That's just the levels in a, in a tone of a voice. Just guess how many men understand. <laughs> Three to five. <laughs> so you can imagine if your husband starts looking at you and going, whoa, whoa, then you know you're speaking at level seven in communication, okay? <laughs> so, but I really believe that the stance in our life at the very moment is thanks to or because of the way we speak. It's thanks to or because of the way we speak about our own lives, our marriages, and our children. If I have to give you a million rand and say, every time you speak negatively or think negative words, I'm going to deduct a thousand rand. 
how careful will you be with your thoughts? Because it's something that we can see, right? But because we don't see it, we get careless. So I did the first, the, the, the test. So I did this um, interview with the professor of Stellenbosch, and he said to me, it's always, everything always happens in, in China, right? China. So the Chinese, this is my last story. So the Chinese actually, they took rice, and then they boil it up just a bit for about five minutes, and then they put it in glass containers. They put, like, words on it, and then they speak over the water. That's why you have to speak to your plants, because the words resonate on the water, and then the water reacts on it, right? So it's a whole scientific thing. So the guys were speaking about it. He's saying um, they did the test, and I thought, well, if there's a biological or a, or a chemical thing, just, yeah, I'll tell you to, to change. So I thought, maybe I must just do it. We are spiritual beings. God is inside of us. We can do this right. So cook the rice, put it in glass jars. And then I started writing labels before you go up here. Started putting labels on it. It's the first one I said, hate, failure, worthless, put it on the first glass jar. The other one I said, love, amazing, God's presence, the second jar. And the other one I wrote on, ignore. Same area, left it right there on my bedside table. Every day, I walked past it, picked up the bottle with the rice water, and I would say, you're amazing, you're incredible, you're great and gifted, God loves you. So I put it down. Sounds a little bit ditzy. Got away with it because I'm blonde. Put up, pick up the, the second one, I would go, you're horrible, you're a failure, you're are worthless, I would put it down. And the other one I would ignore. After three weeks, three weeks, the color of the rice water, water started changing. Just to give an idea, after six weeks, this is how it looked. So this is the gratitude. Thank you, prosperous, blessed, healthy, I love you. That's how it looked after six weeks. This is how the hate speech looked. Failure, I hate you, fear, sickness. Can I give you the shock of your life? The one that I ignored looked like this. It looked even worse. The thing is, this morning, and this is how I'm ending, the label that's around your neck can be changed today with God's help. Your story is worth it to be heard. Because if you don't tell it, then people can't live and find faith and see God as a, as a diamond, different characteristics about Him. Don't just ignore stuff in your life. Tackle it head on. Ask the difficult questions. Go to people. Say to them, not to find my information in you, but what do you think when, I, when you hear my name? Say, God, I'm not just giving you half. I'm giving you everything in my life. And see what God is going to do in the next four months. If you become ruthless with the fact of God, there's no time of wasting. I want to live and step into my destiny with you. I want to be the guy that they write about going all the way on my arms for four days. My word, God, I know you've got something special for me. Then let's step up. I want to pray for, for ladies this morning. And I want to say, the last, um, the last interview that I had a couple of weeks ago, a lady was sitting in front of me, a mom. And we were busy doing the feeding scheme, and we were busy dishing out some of these big uh, spa hampers. And the lady stood, stood in front of me, and she was crying. And she said, Karin, you won't believe it. I'm a mom of three children. 
she said, and for the past three weeks, we, hadn't have, we haven't had anything to eat or food in our house. So she said, they live in a Wendy house behind a, a person's house, right? She says, and then she would, um, she'll come in, uh, into the house in the evening. She'll put on a, a little pot of boiling water. The children would come into the house, and then she'll boil this water just to make them believe that food is coming. And then she would say, quickly go and take a bath. And then this pot will boil, boil, boil on this gas stove. And then the kids will say, Mom, what are we having? And she goes, go and bath, do your homework. And this pot will just keep on boiling. And then eventually the kids are too tired and then they fall asleep. Knowing that tomorrow morning when she takes them to school, there'll be something to eat. So for about three days, she would go without food at that stage. And the children would get something at school breakfast and then at lunch they get their little sandwiches come home and then every night for three nights was the spot boiling right and so she said at one stage she said the third night she said god i can't go without food anymore i need your help and she remembered that the lady of the house was busy um, peeling potatoes she thought okay there must be potato skin somewhere in a trash can went to the trash can she opened it and she found rice because the packet of rice tore open, fell on the floor. The lady sweeped it up. She put it in a bag, and she put it in the dustbin. And the lady was like, right, I've got rice. Speaking about rice. Took it home, put it in the boiling pot. And she said, God, I at least have a handful of rice. She prayed over the pot. Woo! And I always want to cry. And when she opened up that pot, God took control. And it wasn't just rice. She said, Karina, it was food. It was food, like a stew that God prepared for us. So this morning, if you have, whatever you have in your hand, God is saying, what do you have in your hand? Use what you have in your hand. God is the extraordinary working God. We are ordinary people, but he's going to use us mightily, no matter who you are or where you come from. Let's pray. God, thank you that we can sit as women with open hearts. God, you're faithful. We are faithful because you are faithful in our lives. God, as women sit with their backs against these chairs, God, may it represent your chest that they're sitting against. And when they lean back into this chair, may it be like arms just literally folding around them and, and just holding on to them, saying, I love you. I'm proud of you. You're good enough. You're beautiful enough. And don't let anybody bring you down. We are a royal nation, a holy priesthood. You're my daughter. God, I want to pray for a woman that's battling with sickness in their lives. Sickness is not from you, God. We're praying for healing people that's, prayer, that's battling financially, we're praying for health, for wealth, for finances, and for abundance over people's lives, and they would stand mesmerized in four months' time about your goodness in their lives. God, thank you that we can know that you're a faithful God and that we can trust you with absolutely everything because you are good and you are in control. We love you, Lord. Amen. Amen.